Last week, we spoke about the fact that even when you've been knocked down, God wants to do something. Even if you've been knocked down, God can do something. And as I've been thinking and praying through all these different circumstances and spending time in the word, and I love looking at nature and looking at trees and, and seeing the way that God does things, I've been drawn frequently to the process of pruning. Pruning. And if you think what pruning is, as a matter of fact, if you look up the word prune, I'm not talking about the prune, the food that you eat, I'm talking about pruning, it's to trim by cutting. Cutting away dead or overgrown branches. Why? To increase fruitfulness and growth. Let's look at the definition again. This is according to the dictionary. Trim by cutting away dead or overgrown branches or stems, especially to increase fruitfulness and growth. And today's message is welcome the pruning. Welcome the pruning. I was on a call with my pastor on Thursday. I talked to my pastor weekly. And um, we were on this call, and it was him, myself, and uh, Pastor Hunter, who's actually going to be with us next Sunday. Don't miss next Sunday. Hunter's going to be preaching in both English services. And um, this other pastor, a friend of ours, Jared, and, and Pastor Joel looked, and, and he asked us, he says, guys, I want you to tell me, what are you most excited about in your ministry, in your life, in your church at the moment? And um, he started, he says, Hunter, you go first. And he told Hunter, and then he told Jared. And I wrote it down on my paper. And when it got to me, I, I started laughing a little bit. And I said, God, I, I got two things I'm really excited about right now, Pastor. And he says, what are they? And I said, the first one is, I'm excited about the pruning that's taking place in my life and in the ministry. And he kind of like stopped. He's like, you're excited about pruning? And I said, yes, because pruning brings growth. Personally, pruning will bring growth. And he said, okay, and what's the second thing? I'm excited about the prayer culture that has been developing in our church. We've had all year long this Tuesday 6 a.m. prayer service. And we get here, a group of people, every single Tuesday at 6 in the morning, at morning, not morning, morning. <laughs> and we worship and we pray and we pursue the presence of God. I'm excited about this once-a-month prayer gathering that we've started on the first Wednesday of the month. This first Wednesday of August, we had over 20 people that showed up to just worship and spend time asking God to bring his presence into this place. So I'm excited about the pruning and I'm excited about the prayer culture. But can I tell you something? Can I be real? Can I be honest? Pruning isn't always fun. Pruning can hurt, but at the harvest season, you're going to see that it was worth it. At the harvest season, you're going to see that it's worth it. Now, when we talk about God and when we talk about fruit production and these things, I want you to know something. God plays, pays very close attention to fruit production. Very close attention. The entire scripture is filled with things about fruit. As a matter of fact, go with me to Genesis. 
chapter number one, beginning of Genesis, the first words that God spoke to man is in Genesis 1:28, and it says, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. The first words out of God's mouth to mankind, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. And yes, he's talking specifically to his design of creation, man and woman, enter marriage, procreate and have children. But in your life, God is looking for you to be fruitful. He's looking for you and me to bear fruit. What fruit are we called to bear? Well, Galatians chapter 5 tells us, if you go to Galatians chapter 5, it says, the fruit of the Spirit is. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second. Notice it doesn't say the fruit of the Spirit are. This is not an English grammatical error or grammatical error in the original language where it was written. No, no, no. The fruit of the Spirit is. It is one fruit comprised of different things that make the one fruit. What is it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Nine different things that put together is the fruit. This theology that, well, I have the fruit of love, but I don't have the fruit of self-control is bogus. It's one fruit. You may not be exhibiting self-control. You may not be walking in it, in the fullness of it. However, you are called to produce and walk in it. The fullness of the fruit. I'm not going to spend time talking about the fruit of the Spirit this morning, but if you want some homework, we did an entire series called Juicy Fruit the year before last. It was a 10-part series where I broke down the fruit of the Spirit over 10 weeks. Go listen to it. It's on our Spotify, on our podcast, on our YouTube channel. It's, it's all over the place. You can go listen to every single one of those teachings. And we break down the, the, the parts of the fruits piece by piece, the wholeness. But you and I are called to produce this fruit. God expects us to walk in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, gentleness, I skipped it. All of those, we are expected to walk in it. But like I said a minute ago, pruning may hurt, but it's going to be worth it. So I ask you this question. Who does the pruning and why? Who does the pruning and why? See, that's an important part. You don't walk into your neighbor's house or their neighbor's yard and cut their trees for them. You know, you don't walk into your neighbor's yard and cut their stuff for them. In the same way, ain't no neighbor walking into my yard to touch my tree. So who is it that does the pruning and why is the pruning done? Well, let's read John 15, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. We're going to read it, and then we're going to talk a little bit about it. But it starts by Jesus saying this. This is the last of the seven I am statements that Jesus makes in the book of John. He says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the light of the world, right? He says all these different things. But this one, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away 
and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Verse 1 is, is very important. Because Jesus says, I am the true vine. I think that's very important for us to underline and understand. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Why does he say, I am the true vine? Because there's a lot of fake ones out there. Truth be told, there's a lot of people that are connected to a vine that they think is Jesus and is not Jesus. And if they die tomorrow, they're going to hell. Jesus says, I am the true vine. He also tells us he is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to God but through Jesus. So he says, I am the true vine. And then he says, my father is the vine dresser. So when we ask the question, who does the pruning and why? Well, number one, we need to understand it is God who does the pruning. God is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine. But he's the vine dresser. God is the one that does the trimming and the cutting and the preparing, and he knows what he's doing. And it's interesting because the reason he does the pruning is not to destroy you, but to prepare you to be able to produce more of the fruit. Yeah, I started researching just because I'm a science nerd. I, I like science. It's like, Lord, how does this work? Like, why? What's the concept of the pruning? And when it comes to grapes especially, and I started reading these articles, and I read one produced by one of the largest vineyards in Napa Valley, and they were explaining the science behind pruning. And they began by talking about the fact that these trees, these vines of grapes, their natural tendency is to just grow wild super fast and grow out. But what happens is the faster they grow and the bigger they grow, the smaller and less desirable are the grapes that grow on it. So in order for the grape to be of good quality and a better quantity, they need to prune it so that all of the nutrients from the roots go to that one place as opposed to a bunch of other ones. See, pruning is done not just for aesthetics, but for better and healthier fruit production. One more time. Pruning isn't just for aesthetics. It's for better and healthier fruit production. You know, we think we prune our rose bush so that it looks pretty. No, but when you prune your rose bush, it grows better roses. And it works that way in almost anything, and all that stuff, right? Like, like, especially with ladies with long hair and stuff like that. What do we do? We trim the tips of the hair to produce health in the hair follicle, and it grows stronger. True or not? It's the way it works. I know you don't have that problem. Some of y'all men don't have that problem. But the pruning 
is done with the intent not of damaging, but of intensifying better quality fruit. It's interesting. Because we don't like the pruning. Mm, we don't. No, but why are we cutting it? Why are we trimming it? We tell the girls, oh, we're going to cut your hair. No, I don't want to. I want long hair. No, no, we're just going to cut a little bit of the tips. But I want it to be long. It's going to be healthier if I cut it. We don't like it. As a matter of fact, we, would, we could even venture to say that the trees bleed when they get cut, don't they? When you cut it, the sap is there. So this is what I found very interesting. You guys, I can show you the article. It was explaining how the vine dressers and these people, they know the seasonal time of when the sap has stopped flowing, and that's when they trim the tree. When the sap isn't flowing anymore and it has to be trimmed because if it overgrows and the leaves are too many, it can't do the proper photosynthesis to make the grapes grow. It's crazy that the cutting brought forth the ability to produce better quality fruit. That the cutting brought forth the ability to get somewhere you weren't going to get to before. Because, man, we fight the pruning. But I don't want to let go of that. I, I, I don't want that. I like that. It look, I, I, I have seven branches. Isn't it fruitful? Isn't it good? I have seven of them. But what if they're not producing good fruit? What if it's sapping what needs to actually happen and grow? The verses continue to say in John chapter 15, Jesus looks at them and he says in verse number four and five, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. I, I want you to think of this for a second. When you cut a mango tree branch off, does it produce more mangoes? Nope. The minute you cut off the branch, it stops producing. The minute you cut off the fruit, it stops growing. Why? Because anything disconnected from the vine starts to die. Flowers may look beautiful. We're in that vase. But the minute you cut the flower off the vine, it started to die. It's funny. My, my wife is not into flowers. We've, it's, it's, I think maybe in our 15 years of marriage, I've bought flowers once or twice. It's like she's not into it. And the reason she is, I don't like dead things. She'll be like, you give me it, it's going to die in the next. I mean, even if you take care of it, you put ice, you put the little powder, and you, you know, do all this stuff, and you trim it, and you're doing all these different things, and you're actually trimming it it's because the roots, or not the root, the stem is guarding hard at the end, so you're trimming it so it can still suck up some water, but eventually it dies because it's no longer connected. And can I tell you something? You and I, we cannot produce fruit if we are disconnected from the vine. It goes back, vision, right? Vision of our church, our reason, our why is to get you to a place where you acknowledge, trust, and lean on God daily. Because on the day that you're disconnected from the vine, fruit production ceases. 
Here's the thing. It may look for a while that it still was happening, but the longer you're disconnected, the more the death is apparent. Disconnection from the vine stops the production of fruit. Stops it. Can I tell you something? Without Jesus, I'm not a good person. Without Jesus, I'm short-tempered. I come with very quick comebacks and things that are not the way I should talk. And the days that I'm not spending the time with him I should spend, it comes on out. In my humanity, being authentic, I'm being real. You don't want me without Jesus. I may be nice and this, that, or the other, but man, cuando se cruzan los cables, bro, it's, it's hard. And spending time with Jesus, the connection to the vine is what keeps it flowing so that I can act the way I'm supposed to, so that I can walk the way I'm supposed to, so I can treat people the way I'm supposed to. But when I don't spend time with him, it is inevitable that death will come in whatever area, your relationship, your marriage, your finances, your health, in every single area of you, if you're not connected to the vine, you're not going to produce fruit. You're not going to produce fruit. You know, I, I love the fact that it says in verse number two that the vine dresser, the father, the branch that doesn't bear fruit, he cuts off. It reminds me of Luke chapter 13 when Jesus gives this parable and he says, there was a man who had a vineyard and in this vineyard he had a fig tree. And the owner of the vineyard came to the fig tree for three years looking for figs and did not find any. So he called the vine dresser and said, chop down the tree. It's consuming space for no reason. The vine dresser said, Give me a year. I will dig around the tree. I will fertilize the tree and the ground. And if in a year it hasn't produced fruit, then we will cut it down and throw it in the fire. And I feel that some of us are in that place. We're in the chronic state of we need to get dug out, fertilized, and if we don't start producing fruit, we will be cut out. That's harsh, pastor. No, I'm reading you what the Word of God says. You either produce fruit or you get cut out. What happens to... Let's, let's, let's talk business here for a second. You got 10 sales employees and one person sells nothing every month. You may have a down month. You may have a down year. Pero bubble, produce or go down the street. Oh, that's so harsh. That boss doesn't know. No, 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 no. Are you producing? And God looks at the fruit that we're producing, and he wants good fruit. And then he says, if you are producing fruit, I'm going to cut off the things that are hurting you from, from producing even more and better fruit. 
See, when you come to Jesus, there's things that you still do that you used to do that you're like, oh, you know what, I, I, this is, I used to do this, but maybe I shouldn't do X, Y, or Z anymore. Well, can I tell you, the closer you get into your walk with God, more things will leave too. Because what did Jesus say? There's a wide road and there's a narrow road. And the reality is this. The more you walk with the Lord, the narrower the road gets. There's some, perhaps, people in our life that it's time to be pruned. Habits in our life that need to be pruned. Things that we watch or say or do that aren't necessarily bad. I'm not even talking about it being something that's bad and sinful. I'm just talking about those things that consume you instead of drawing you near to God. I had the opportunity, I was invited by uh, the HR director at, at the school my wife works at, their HR director asked me to come in and speak to all the staff, and, uh, and I did these, these messages, I did this same preaching to the, to the group, and, and I spoke to them actually about one of our church values, refill, to keep the tank full, and I, I spoke to them about the importance of daily spending time with God so that they can grasp every opportunity to minister to the students that they work with. And the other day, I'm dropping off Alexandra. I'm walking her to the hallway to the class, and this teacher comes in. She just grabs me. She's like, you know, I quit social media because of you. I was like, okay, <laughs> you know. She says, I realized that I kept saying I didn't have time to spend with God, but I would spend an hour and a half a day watching videos on TikTok. So I deleted it so I can use that time now to keep my tank full. That was a decision to prune something in order to have more connection with the Lord. Sometimes there's something that isn't necessarily bad. Hey, man, you, you like sports and you watch sports. That's not a bad thing. But if you watch 72 hours of football or baseball a week and spend 22 minutes with God, there's a disbalance that's hurting you. See, there's things in our life that aren't bad, but can be pruned to give better fruit that you're supposed to give of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, justice, and self-control. So what is it? I would, you know, Job, I, I, I don't like reading the book of Job. I read it every year, sometimes more than once, but I don't like reading the book of Job. And if you're doing your Bible in a year reading plan, you're in the book of Job right now. And um, at the beginning of the week, I felt the Lord confront me through the book of Job. And I was reading chapter one of the book of Job. And um, it says that Satan went before God and God said, where have you been? And he said, ah, going to and fro, doing all these things. And, and then God proceeds to read off Job's resume. That's the way I'm looking at it. And God says, have you seen Job? Righteous, blameless, upright in all his ways. And I read that verse, chapter one, I think it's verse nine. And I just felt the Holy Spirit just hit me and say, if God was reading your resume, what would he say? 
I was like, hmm, could God write a good recommendation letter like he did about Job? I put it in the men's chat that morning. I shared it with some other pastor friends the other day. It's like I was confronted with that. What would God say? And I asked them immediately, what do you want to prune? God, what do you need to take away from me so that you can have a recommendation letter like the one of Job? But then we look at Job, right? Job lost everything. All his children, all his cows and camels and donkeys and everything. He lost everything. It kept, I mean, it just says, and, and, and they came and only I escaped to tell you that all the stuff that just happened. And only I escaped to let you know that you lost it all. And only I escaped to let you know, right? Like, like and then all his friends look at him and is like, Job, what must be the sin in your life? Right? They get on their self-righteous pedestal. We know that God only punishes the wicked. There must be wickedness in you, Job. Oh, don't we? I know we don't, nobody here does that. Oh, Fulanito's having an issue. They probably have hidden sin in their life. Oh, they probably, they did something to deserve it. Because we're tied into this misconception that when we come to God, everything's perfect, right? Oh, I'm not going to have any issues. I'm, I'm worshiping, and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm, and I'm spending time with God. Everything's supposed to be fine. No, 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 no. Like it, it, it's everything. No, it's not. There's going to be stuff that happens to good people. You're going to get flat tires, and you're going to get a cold, perhaps, or you're, you're going to get into a car accident, or you're going to trip and fall, or something could happen. It doesn't stop God being sovereign, and it doesn't mean God sent it to you. God didn't do anything to Job. You know what God knew about Job? That even if everything Job had he lost, he was still going to worship him because God, Job worshiped God not to get stuff, just to have communion with him, which is why at the end of it all, the Bible says Job had double of everything. If he had a thousand cows, he ended up with two thousand. Everything he had double. I said that to somebody once. It was like, well, he didn't have double the children. He had the same number of children. All his children died. And then his wife and him, they were able to have, again, they, she had kids. They had the same number. It's like, no, think about when they get to heaven. They're all there. Even the children were doubled up. See, what's the reality? Stuff can happen. And sometimes what's happening is actually pruning so that you can do something better. So bring it on. Welcome the pruning. Lord, if you're pruning this out of my life, it's because you've got a better plan. Lord, if you're taking this out, it's because you see in me the ability to do more. If you are doing this, I, I, you know, I got these coconut trees in my house. I have four of them. Some of you are like, coconut tree? I've been to your house. One of them's a little baby I just planted like two months ago. And I have three that I planted about two years and three months ago, give or take. And they were all planted from a little coconut with a shooting, you know, thing. I dug the hole, put them in there, put the soil, the other stuff. 
And, and the biggest one of it right now is it's, it's about my size. It's, it's getting there. And I look at these coconut trees, and I look and I say, in five years, maybe seven, I'll have a hammock there. As a matter of fact, my next-door neighbor about a year and a half ago brought out this brand spanking new red hammock, and he was going to put it in the front of the house to like get it, you know, somebody get it or whatever, and he was like, yeah, I got this hammock, but I have no use for it. I've never used it. It's brand new, and I was like, I'm going to put it in my shed. Every time I open my shed, I was like, it's, gr- it's coming. The coconut tree will get there one day, but you know what I got to do to my coconut tree every so often? I got to get out the clippers and cut some of the branches that are now getting yellow and a little browning at the tip that are sucking out nutrients that need to go to the new ones in the middle. And so I go over there and I clip away so that the resources from the roots go to the place that it needs to to produce the new ones. See, remember what Jesus said? Wow, wow, look, let's go back to the Bible. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. What's the process? It gets pruned so that then the nutrients can get to the place where it needs to to bring the desires of your heart into fruition. And the more you're connected to God, the more that your desires align with God's desires. Because it's not, Lord, bless me to have a bigger bank account. It's bless me so I can be a blessing. It's what Corinthians says, 2 Corinthians. Paul writes and says, we have been comforted so that we can provide comfort to those who need it. Whatever God does for you is not just for you. It's always about the production of fruit for someone else. I mean, think about why a tree produces fruit. The mango tree don't eat its mangoes. The avocado tree don't eat no avocados. The mamoncillo tree don't eat mamoncillos. Kenups, kenepas, whatever you call them in your country. It produces it to feed someone else. God is pruning things in you so that more fruit comes out healthier and better, but it's not for you to consume it. It's so that someone else can consume it. So someone else. Jesus talks about, by the fruit, you will be known. He talks about the fruit that is bad fruit. I mean, have you ever gone to the store and bought a fruit that looks good, and when you cut it in the middle, it's bad? The tree was probably bad. The branch was bad. The branch was unhealthy. That vine dresser, that person needs to go trim off the branch that is not getting what is needed to produce proper fruits. But in our lives, I tell you, Welcome the pruning. And I challenge you to ask God that. God, what do you want to prune from my life? What am I doing that is consuming the bandwidth that I should be giving you? I'm very guilty of this, especially in today we're celebrating 11 years as a church. And can I tell you? In the first five, six, maybe even seven years, there was a lot of times that I would go do things that were good things that needed to get done for the church, but took away my study time and my prep time to be able to give to the church the food that it needed. And I've learned throughout the last few years as I've matured, hold on a second, is this thing that is a good thing, do we have the bandwidth for it? Or is it going to make us produce unhealthy fruit? 
I mean, I want you to think, some of you in here are businessmen or businesswomen or whatever. Not every opportunity is a good opportunity. Just because it looks good doesn't mean it's a healthy one that's going to make your business grow. And many times in our lives, I just, and I feel this deeply and hard right now, many times in our life, there's things that look good, but it wasn't God. God would prune it from you in order to have better fruits. So ask God, what do you want to prune from me? It might be an attitude. It might be a relationship, like a friendship, right? Don't tell me God is pruning my wife from me. be real. But is there a voice around you that's speaking death to your marriage that you need to allow to be pruned? Is there a voice around you that is speaking death to something that you need to allow to be pruned? Oh, I remember when I was in high school, I had all of these friends. You're not in high school anymore. I saw somebody put this the other day on social media, and actually, it, it, it made me upset. They put, we never talk about Jesus' greatest miracle. He had 12 close friends in his 30s. And I, and I look at it, and I felt like responding and saying, you nimwit. They were his disciples, not his friends. There's a difference. I mean, I can be friends with one of my disciples, but I am your mentor and I am discipling you. I'm not there for your friendship. Parents, your kids are not your best friends. When they're adults, maybe. You can have a relationship as friends. Parent your kids. <gasps> yes, parent your kids. Prune the behaviors that need to be pruned. Don't let them speak in an inappropriate manner to an adult. Disrespectfully. Have a conversation with them in the bathroom. You know what I'm talking about. I heard that many a times. I was a little kid. Do we need to go to the bathroom? I'm good. I'm good. I don't know. You guys have heard it before. It's like, do we need to go have a conversation in the bathroom? Nope, we're good. All right. In my house right now, we were going through pruning. We were going through the pruning of some toys. We went through the pruning of some hangers. I actually sent to a group of men that, that have little kids. I sent them a picture of a bag with like 75 hangers, like little hangers. Well, what happened? See, watch this now. As Abigail has gotten taller... She needed bigger hangers, adult-sized hangers. But if I don't purge or prune the little hangers from the closet, it occupies the space for what needs to be in her closet. Let's look at that. That's a physical example of in your spirit life right now. If you want to keep on to those small old hangers, you cannot allow for the new things that God is bringing. Prune to allow for the new. 
So ask God, Lord, what do you want to prune from me? Lord, is there anything in my life that is keeping me from you? Is there anyone in my life that is keeping me from you? And if it is, take it away. I welcome the pruning. I challenge you today. Welcome the pruning. Because the pruning produces growth. I read this from a person, and I want to write it the right way. This person that, that manages these vineyards said this, proper pruning encourages strong growth. One more time. Proper pruning encourages strong growth. Let's stand to our feet. Father, in our lives today, Lord, show us what needs to be pruned. Father, show us the things in our life that are taking away from the time with you. Lord, even if it's something in ourselves, so, so easily we look at to what others are doing or saying or whatever's going on. Father, what is it in me that you want to prune? What attitude? What thought process? What hurt? What past? What things in me, God, are consuming the nutrients and stopping me from producing good fruit? Father, show me, and I give you permission. Father, prune me in Jesus' name. As we worship for the next few moments, I, I encourage you to ask God. God, what do you want to prune in me? I encourage you to tell God, I give you permission to prune. Cut what doesn't need to be there so that all the nutrients can go to where it needs to go to produce good fruit in Jesus' name.